Hey everyone, Eric Watson here, and this is the recorded audio of a DM-only live stream in which I prepare for our next live session and chat with fans twice a week at my Rogue Watson YouTube channel. Please note that these streams are full of DM spoilers. This was not originally intended for an audio-only format, but has been converted to a podcast for your convenience. The channel and by extension this podcast are supported by Patreon. If you'd like to support my work, you can do so at patreon.com slash roguewatson. Enjoy the show. here freelance writer player of games writer voyager quarter videos and at tabletop role-playing aficionado welcome to the thursday edition of my bi-wiki behind the scenes dm only live stream crafting icewind dale which i build right and prepare for our next session of rhyme of the frost maiden if you are playing characters while robin frey celeste edmund or thimbleweed get away from here shoo 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 this is not meant for you but for the rest of you welcome there will be spoilers. We stream our D&D sessions live on YouTube every Friday. You can watch all of our D&D sessions as well as reviews here on YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter at Rogue Watson and join our official Discord server with invite link in the description below. If you'd like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash Rogue Watson. For our campaign, we use Roll20.net for streaming. Use open broadcaster software with Streamlabs. I'm returning to my original schedule time as hopefully that will fit my schedule and really the baby's schedule a bit better who by the way is turning uh two years old next week uh and so is going through a bit of a growing pain stage i i I presume with uh napping and everything but uh she's very content right now so we will hope that we can get through this stream together and we can talk about how best to uh eviscerate my players and it seems like one of the chat this might work better for you all uh as well good morning to morgan Jeremy, Lazy DM, Jason, excellent work. We are global. So I've uh, done a little bit of looking up. I've honestly had to do a lot of prep work this week for another D&D game, which I'm very excited about. I am running my first ever patron D&D game tonight. It is not going to be live streamed, but it will be recorded and uploaded for your viewing pleasure. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. This is something we were able to hit with a stretch goal, thanks to one particular very generous donation. Um, And it is open to platinum-level patrons, and it's something I've been looking forward to doing for quite some time and made an official stretch goal earlier this year. So looking forward to running that game. But now i got to switch gears and get back into uh, my main game, which I also took last week off. So I'm really kind of like trying to find my footing again with where we are at Rhyme. Plus, the fact that I'm prepping like multiple um areas and multiple adventures because my players are technically on their way to do the goliath quest right now first they're going to level up to nine at the start of the session which is pretty big considering we're not even in you know the end game yet but that is by design uh and but instead of going to the giants i'm going to give them the uh the it ascendant quest and then i'm 90 percent confident they're going to take it by the way that i'm going to present them with that uh quest the only way they don't is if the only way I don't see them taking it is if for some reason we come on and and Rochelle can't make the session, which has happened a few times. Then I could see them being, oh, well, let's skip that and wait till she's available to play. In which case, I will need to prep some uh, 
some initial Goliath stuff just in case. <laughs> but the nice thing is we are leveling up uh, at the start of the session, and that always takes a bit of time. So uh, exciting! Oh, clues for the uh, for the adventure. Um, so initially my thought process: this is the patron D&D game. I can I don't want to talk about it too much, but I can tease it a bit. Um, I am and you know you know me. I prefer to run pre-made stuff. And then that way I've got, mainly because I'm doing virtual tabletop, right? So it helps a ton having all the maps, the dynamic lighting, a lot of the tokens, a lot of information on there. And that way I can focus on the prep that I want to do, which is enhancing each individual scene, coming up with more interesting encounters and weaving story together and doing all that. And this is no different. So, and I'm thinking for the initial games, at least we'll be running um, probably one shots. It does take place in our same interconnected Forgotten Realms universe. Um, And I will tease that this one is from Cobalt Press, and it is from Tomb of Beast 2 Layers, which I believe I reviewed here on the channel as a Roll20 review. It is on Roll20, and just has a collection of great... Uh, and and Chris just ran a similar one to that last week. He ran one that was from Cobalt Press's... I believe it was called Eldritch Layers, Pissed of the... Pit, pissed, Pit of the Dust Goblins, um, which he renamed to Fortress of Dust. And, and again, he did the same thing where he kind of changed... Uh, you know, a few of the things around, but otherwise took the the main meat of it, and that's kind of what I'll be doing. So that is my tease. Um, what I'm looking at right now, I've, I've thought about, you know, what to do for the big defensive fight of It Ascendant, because this is kind of the primary um, cool battle and almost will be the boss fight of this area. Once they defeat the defenses, they'll be able to do a social scene with the Gnome Ceramorphs, which I don't know how that's going to go. It could be... Um, a social scene or it could be a, a fight eventually but initially I want them to fight their way to it ascended by having its automated defenses stand up we've already replaced the ballistas with the mind witnesses which I think are going to be awesome and from what I looked up you know I was initially concerned they didn't actually have a damaging ability and I think the problem is I was using the wrong mind witness because if you look at this one does not have a damaging ability. Well, this one is from MMOMM. So the one I looked up had um, a straight-up damage attack. I wonder why that's different. Let's see if I can find the discrepancy. Maybe it's the one from VG1 is the other one, then? No, that one. Oh, yeah, Psychic Ray. Okay. So maybe... Maybe they actually changed it at the moment. This doesn't have an attack, then, which is odd. That's the updated version. Because look at the difference here. The one in, which I assume that, what's VG1? I assume is Volos. Um, this version has, it's a D6i ray, and it has the disadvantage ray, a fear ray, which is actually just the frightened condition, psychic ray, which does straight up damage, the slow effect, a para, uh, stun effect, and then a kind of restrain and capacitation effect. Uh, or you can also move it up to 30 feet in any direction. But then if you look at the one in uh, Mordenkainen's Multiverse of Monsters. Nope, that also has Psychic Ray. What the hell am I smoking then? Why did I get the other one? Am I going insane? Did I open the wrong one? Okay, that one's got the Psychic Ray. So what happened to the one that I've got? Why is the Psychic Ray not in here? Oh, it just didn't show up. There's no three. Okay, that's the problem. It's just a bug. 
I didn't realize that. It goes one, two, four, five, six. So it's just straight up missing the psychic rank. Okay, that's where I'm losing my mind. Well, that's not my fault. All right, so we need to add that back in. I was so worried that it didn't actually have an ability to do damage at range. I mean, it's fun that it can do all these debilitating effects, but... All right, well, if that's the case, then I can just add that in there. I didn't realize... There were, somehow, when, you, when I brought the stat block over into the game, the psychic rank didn't actually show up. I guess that's just a weird bug. It clearly has that in the stat block, so let's add that in here. Is the actual number part of it? So three psychic ray. I have to make my overlay look bad because I need all the window space. Rainbow 16 on DC 13 intelligence say, which is a great one to exploit. Or take, and I think we can just do well. Let's do it this way: 68, and then we'll do it down here. 68. Psychic damage. Okay, and now if we unlock it, we can move it back up. So it's there. I don't know why that didn't show before. Those drive me crazy. I was like, why does this thing not have damage? All right, so now the psychic ray is there. Make sure it shows up correctly. By whispering rolls, always whisper rules. The fray buster, no shit, right? Not only does it exploit intelligence saves, but it does psychic damage. That ain't no joke. And you know, at this point, the player's level 9. Like, fuck it, I'm just going to throw all kinds of shit at him. Like, we're getting closer to the point where I kind of have to start stop worrying about balance. Because <laughs> the party's just going to be that strong and powerful in general. Which is uh, kind of liberating in a way. Alright, so now if I click it, it should... Whoops, I'm scrolled all the way up. Perfect. 22 psychic damage. Yeah, I like that it shows up there. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, these things are going to be fun instead of having freaking ballistas. That's that's what you get when you're level uh, 9 coming into this thing. I guess I, you know, I could just keep it a mind witness. The idea will be I'm not going to have them move, though. They're going to be kind of like tethered to the ship. It means I still need to have a nice fleshy pile background. I don't know what to use. Oh, can I actually just search flesh? Or is that going to be weird? <laughs> Let's find out. Hey, Jason. Than. Uh, what happens when I search flesh? Flesh jelly. Uh, need like... Yeah, like a pile, well, not a pile of gore. A pile of, you know, undulating flesh that you would have in a lot of gross sections of RPGs. Uh, maybe it would be better to search by... The actual web. These are tokens. I don't want tokens. I need decorations. Maps, tiles, and textures. Any thoughts on intellect devourers? You know, it's weird that they don't have intellect devourers uh, in, in the Indescendant at all. I, I could replace the Gnome Ceramorphs with intellect devourers, I guess. Have them be the minions. But I kind of like using the Carrion Crawlers for that also. Makes the Gnome Ceramorphs a little more flavorful. Ugh. 
Alright, this is kind of the same stuff. Uh, that's fleshy, but I don't want it to be a square. Bio caves, that's a good way of putting it. Haha, <laughs> gross. These are actual dungeon maps, though, so maybe I can get... Oh, these are so gross. This looks like Gabriel Picard's art, too. Alright, I need decorations. Bio veins, we're getting somewhere. Tubes. Warts. Good. Ew. <laughs> Um, that could work. I wish I was colored differently. Maybe I can... That uh, looks a little... Skin. Can we make it a purpley color? Uh, that's not the end of the world, I guess. I wish I had a purple. Ooh, there we go. Looks like a giant growth. Okay, I think that could work. Just to cover up the ballista, really. And then we'll put it on the map layer. And then we'll just have the mine witness be on top of it. And I think that works. Same thing for the top one. It is gross. <laughs> yeah, that looks good. Good enough, as they say. And, I mean, I could, the interesting thing is, I could put the mine witness on the map, or I could get really clever and try to literally, like, have eye stalks sticking, sticking out of the ship. But I'd want my players to realize, because the interesting thing about Roll20 is if I leave it as a token, then the players know, okay, this is a unit I can attack. But if I just create, like, art, like eye stalks and stuff, then they might think, oh shit, this is just like an ongoing trap we have to avoid. It's going to be constantly hitting us. And I don't necessarily want to rob them of being able to come up and attack this thing, but the idea is I'm using the Mind Witness stat block, but I don't really um, mean for this to be a literal like flying around creature. It's gonna, it, I want it to be like a, like a defensive turret almost from... Um, the ship itself. Oh, like an anus. That's just, this whole thing is awful. <laughs> uh, I can't get over the artwork of this one. Bio Cave is the name of it. There was an eyeball earlier, wasn't there? But I, I want it like several eyes. Oh, there's like pores. That's great. There's eyes sticking out. It'd be tokens of tentacles, eyes would be fun. Yeah, so maybe if I can make it work. I mean, it's a lot more work on my end, but I think it adds a lot. Oh shit, there's animated tentacle. Now this is something I haven't used before ever in my games because I fear that they would slow things down, but you could literally have little animated, I don't know if you guys can see that, um, little wiggling tentacles. I, I, I feel like it would be too distracting, but it's kind of cool that that has an option. Because the stat block wise, I would basically only use their eyes, which is you roll, which I really like, and I think that's a fun thing to do. I had a, a lot of fun with the Beholder fight into Annihilation, where I actually, I, I think I randomly determined who was going to be attacked, but then I had the target um, actually roll the, the, the die to determine what 
eye ray would affect them and that made the players a lot more i think uh invested and i mean they're always invested in combat but you know because they got to roll like what thing was going to happen to them and then they can groan or something depending on what they think is coming so i would definitely keep that where i would actually have the players roll the dice and not me and then that determines what's going to happen now the mind witness does have a bite and tentacles attack which would happen if they try to come up and maybe come up with a way to disable it. I mean, I want to create the fact that there is a flesh mount here and the players could attack it, in which case I would probably use this exact same stat block where it's got, you know, 15 armor, 75 hit points on average. Um, and then if they're close enough, it would then use its tentacles and bite. But from a range, and remember, one of them is going to be up above on the second level, which I'm tempted to give the players this information here. Um, I wonder... I wonder if a interesting way to do that would be to cut this off from dynamic lighting and then actually like give them a little eyeball thing where they could all see and that way they could kind of see the way the ship looks because I feel like you would be able to glance at the ship and be able to see that there's different openings everywhere and then I could explain to them like yeah this um you know the the bottom part is five feet above the ground and then the second level which has the other you know fleshy pile with tentacles sprouting out is 25 feet up and then it's got a top level that's another 20 feet above that that's completely enclosed. But I kind of like the idea of giving them the side view as a way to visualize. This part's on the GM layer, but I think this image right here is actually... Okay, this is part of the map, so it's not even a separate thing. So why don't we cut this off? I'm having to do a lot with this map, but I think, I think it'll pay off. Why don't we make this a, just like that. That cuts it off and then we give the players um, some kind of uh, token that they can see out of. You know, maybe I should keep looking for that. You know, I do have that eyeball Got the bio cave. All these wiggly tentacles are so wiggly. And yeah, they do look like they're dancing. In every color imaginable. Ooh, the Flesh Crafters Laboratory. Oh, this is like isometric. That's crazy. Oh, what is happening here? Good lord, it's animated like dungeon walls. That's fucking wild. What? I can't even imagine being in a map that does this. Wow. I wonder how that... Maybe Roll20 does better about animated stuff than that's... You can do a little Sarlacc pit. <laughs> I can't get over these. It's just funny. I'm entranced. Tentacles popping out. All right, apparently entering flesh just opens up an entire world of possibilities. People are all about this. That's a good point. Actually, that's probably a better idea. I could make it a handout. Let's let's do that. Rather than me trying to bend over backwards doing this. Um, in that case, we need to actually get rid of these things. Move them over to the side for now, or I will probably never need them because I don't need to be identified of these things. 
Let's do a little screen grab. And let's see what we can do for this. Get that little corner. Okay. It's gonna be a very rough version, but that's all we need. And now you can't see my work that I'm doing on this. I'm just literally doing some paint. <laughs> I have done this quite a few times. Does, have an easy, does not have an easy way of extracting images, unfortunately. Uh, and uh, you can imagine how big my D&D folder is on my PC. Very big. This is the... Nautiloid side view handouts. I don't think it's a... Uh, spoiler to call it a Nautiloid, right? Or is that, should that be identifiable too? Do people know, is this general information that people in the Forgotten Realms know about? Or is this like seeing an alien ship? Uh, let's see, player handouts. Add a handout. Oh, I also want to add a handout of that other handout version too. I doubled my player handouts with that one puzzle I ran. Yeah, UFO side view. Monoloid side view. I mean, you could just say crashed ship or something. You don't have to literally say nautiloid. Uh, does it say if this is identifiable? Crash site. There's information for the DM. I don't know if there's any information about, like, you need to roll this to identify what the hell this thing is. But surely that should be like a... It does say... I'm looking at the book right now. It does say a character tries to help Dredovex with a life support system. Can we get DC 25 Arcana check? And it allows you to extend the life support system. Is that separate than repairing it with the Psy Crystal? Uh, the character hasn't read the instructions. The DC 15 Arcana check to fire the weapons requires a DC 15 to to. Oh, well, that's the ballista. Uh, it's not mentioned if they make a shot for the laser pistol, sign crystal detector. Pistol weapons are fully charged. Pacifier rod. Oh, that's funny. Russian so communicate telepathy with the nautiloid. Uh, the chair securely attached to the deck can be used. It can't be used by creatures that are not mind flayers. I know we mentioned the fact that do we allow the players to pilot the ship? I would. The only way is it really becomes combat, um, and the players defeat the mind flayers, and I still want to give them the ship. I would probably allow Celeste to operate it, but it would require either a check or a save, and it would be extremely taxing for her, like psychic damage, exhaustion, all kinds of good stuff. Interestingly, they can activate the Nautiloid self-destruct system. That's very uh, alien of them. Once the self-destruct's countdown timer has begun, it can't be stopped. That's pretty exciting. So if I really think the players are doing a terrible job and I don't want to give them the ship, I could have one of the Ceramorphs survive to the bitter end and slap a button and start the destruction sequence. And maybe they're just like, no, fuck it, we don't want any part of this. Celeste is too traumatized, like... That could be a thing. So on the work table, there's eyes of minute seeing and a helm of telepathy. 
Slimy coif made from a living space slug that functions like a helm of telepathy. That's pretty cool. A sticky monocle with a kaleidoscope lens functions like eyes of minute seeing. Alright, so that already has some cool space-themed magic items. Alright, um, let's just call this... Crashed ship side view. We'll be a little bit more nebulous about it. And then yes, there is a handout that I do want to use. But as we mentioned, I will have to crop it. I believe it's this one. Because the carrying crawlers are not going to be out in the snow like this. So we're going to do another crop job and just try to take that one corner of the picture because that is a cool um, view of the ship. We can do it like here, maybe. There we go. That works. Oh, you can't see what I'm seeing. Oh, you'll see in a second. <laughs> Let's just call it Monoloid. It's another handout. It is an art handout, but I've been kind of just using the handouts for my purposes. I assume this is the pick you're talking about, Jason. Yes, I think she does. With the Psy Crystal, I believe she does, but I'll have to double check. I think she's really used it. She used it a little bit in the beginning, and then... I haven't really used it since. There we go. Okay, so this is a better version because it doesn't have the carrying crawlers in it. And I will call it Alien Ship. Ooh. Make a note to show. And out. And out alien ship, and then when combat begins, which is basically going to be in, is that N1? Yeah. We can show the crashed ship side view handout. Yeah. All right, and we're thinking we, we want to use, we actually maybe don't want to use the mind witness Tokens, maybe we want to use some. Oh, what do you think? Uh, I could search by eye stocks, maybe. That could work. Some good eyeballs going here. What can we get? Oh, not a lot of options. Maybe I should have selected tokens. Oh, those are weird looking eye stocks. Encounters biological. Huh. That was, that kind of works. Bush designers didn't include shadows. There we go, no shadow. Huh. Oh shit, that's a better looking one. Well, that's a little more cartoony, but the color is fucking perfect. Nah, I like it. I like that one. I may keep this on the maybe the GM layer, just so I can track the hit points 
big ass eyeballs too. And then I don't even know if I have to actually make a uh mouth and tentacles. I can just describe that happening, but uh, we'll see. Cool, like hitbox of these tentacles is huge though. Definitely have three. Go. Take those, copy. Move your ass. Paste. And put them on the map layer. Like so. Okay, okay, now we're looking cool. This is much cooler than a freaking ballista, right? Come on. Alien ship that just has mounted ballistas. How dumb is that? <laughs> Give me some friggin' eye stocks, man. Have fun with it. Uh, am I really gonna search tentacles? Tentacles, tentacles. We've got some tentacles. Shockingly, there's a lot of tentacle options. Probably some good, yeah, spell ones. Mind Flare Layer Battle Maps. I think would be useful. I just need a simple looking tentacle, man. And yet, well, we're back to animated tentacles, which is pretty funny. Wiggle, it's almost too distracting, I think. Well, maybe we won't do tentacles, because that's just becoming annoying to search for. But I can just describe because basically if they just get close enough, I mean I could just say, you know, it's the eye stalks the only thing that's actually doing anything, but it would be kind of a fun surprise if somebody comes up, starts stabbing the flesh pile, and it does look like it's taking damage, then all of a sudden this um, you know, tentacle comes out, grabs somebody, grapples them, and then it's kind of like a little sarlacc pit thing happening with the mouth. So I could still use that part of it. And then they've got their own hit points and AC and everything. And what's interesting is this fight, um, on the GM layer, isn't necessarily even supposed to be won. It kind of depends on how much ass the players kick. Uh, but it could be interrupted by the Ceramorphs themselves because obviously they would definitely feel the uh, presence of the Psy Crystal. You know, maybe one of them has uh, their device going off and. They come out and say, like, oh, you know, stop everything, stop everything. They've brought the thing, and they shut everything down. So that would be a fun, and that would be a fun way to maybe um, motivate the players into doing the social scene, especially if the defenses of the ship are still active. So knowing that if they actually turn on the mind flares, they would have to re-engage uh, all of those forces. Um, but here's what I was looking at at the very beginning of the stream, which is I finally figured out the robotic creature I want to use along with the mind witness defenses the actual thing that's moving around the battlefield, which is this gear keeper construct. This is from Explorer's Guide to Wildmount, and I love it because it's not just a robot-looking robot. It kind of adds the alien exoticism of this whole ship. It's like a ball with just a bunch of swords coming out of it, and they just spin around rapidly, and it's super fast. has a 60-foot speed, um, really great tanky stats, 18 AC, average of 160 hit points. It's got damage resistances, damage immunities, condition immunities, um, and anybody that starts this turn within five feet of it just automatically takes 1d8 slashing damage. It has two arm blade attacks, or it can 
uh, also make a ranged attack, or it's got like a shotgun blast of shrapnel it can spill out in a 30-foot cone. It does a lot of things, and yet is still pretty easy to run, and I think visually it's just very cool to, and I'm going to definitely describe it as it like dropping, maybe from the second level, it like drops this ball, and then the ball, like, you know, all these sword legs come out of it, and it like spins forward while slashing all of its swords out. I think that would be pretty freaking gnarly to describe and have that involved on the battlefield and would very much take up all of their time while at the same time they're getting just fucking blasted by all of these various eye rays which are hopefully like restraining them and frightening them and slowing them down and doing all these terrifying things because this is kind of going to be it is a giant blender with a sawed off shotgun <laughs> what a great what a great idea for a creature um this is basically going to be the big fight of this area. Like, this is not meant to be a big dungeon crawl. You know, I'm going to have that initial engagement with the boulets, which um, between, honestly, between leveling up and then that investigation work, that might take up most of the session, and then maybe we'll even stop at the beginning of this one when we first deploy all these defenses. I don't know if we'll actually get through this combat encounter or not. But this is kind of meant to be the big combat encounter because then the gnome ceramorphs can come in and basically turn into a big social scene where the players could choose to uh, speak with them and, uh, you know, Celeste can can get kind of a, a reckoning for her uh, for her backstory and either, and, and it should be come across as, as fairly dissatisfying narratively if they want to work with them because that would be the consequences. Like, they really don't have any remorse for what they're doing. They don't plan on stopping anything or anything like that. So the players will either have to swallow their pride about that and work with the Mind Flayers, or they'll have to just kill them or refuse them. And if they ref if they straight up refuse to hand over the Psy Crystal, then the Gnome Ceremonies will absolutely, you know, go after them and with the full force of whatever they still have. Get for Let's try and get above average. Oh damn, damn. It's got an average of 160 hit points. I just rolled it, and it's got 190. Now, I've got a, I've got a macro that rolls the dice. Holy shit. 190? Oh, boy. That is going to be painful. So, yeah, I may have to... Which, again, that is in my back pocket, is to essentially stop this fight at the end of whatever round I deem necessary... And literally have it be interrupted by the mind flayer showing up and saying, hey, 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 you know, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, our, our defense is kicked in very quickly. You know, round of combat's, what, six seconds. So if it takes you, you know, a minute to realize they're here, that would be ten rounds. But obviously, you know, using some time distillation there, we can have them interrupt whenever uh, I deem narratively satisfying. And have one of them just run out to the bridge and be like, do you have the Psy Crystal? Or they've got the Psy Crystal. Let's shut down the defenses and meet with them. Um, and if they're getting their asses kicked, that would actually be... Um, that would really incentivize the players to working with the Mind Flayers, I think. If they realize how strong this ship's defenses are, and especially if they still have the defenses that are just kicking their ass, and maybe the players are even weakened, then maybe they'll feel like they really can't uh, battle the Mind Flayers, which would be also a really interesting thing to uh, throw the players in terms of like, hey, you, you might hate these guys, but you know you know, all the things they're capable of. They're all walking around with freaking laser pistols. I roll hit points for 
I don't think I rolled for the carrion crawlers yet. I don't think I actually rolled for the ceramorphs either. Also, man, I started doing bottom overlapping with the hit point bars, and I so much like that better. I'll just do that from now on. It keeps it out of the way. It makes it so the hit point bars doesn't take up any more room. It's just looks so much better. So much better. Uh, actually, I, it looks like I did roll it for the gnome ceramorphs, but not these guys. So let's do these guys. Okay, one is about average, and one is very sickly. 34. An average of 50 hit points. You can stay here, but you gotta cut down on the probing. <laughs> yeah, basically. Could you do a little less probing, please? Uh, people don't like that. Psy Crystal, you've been here for a while, right? Oh, wait, I don't even have to look at her sheet. I can look at the Psy Crystal. Their magic items. Boy, I've given these dudes a lot of stuff. Uh, are you side crystal? Where is this thing? They're not PSI. Apparently not. Crap. Um. Well, I can search for it. Hopefully. There it is. It's under Appendix D Magic Magic Items. What the hell? Why is it doing that? This crystal grants you telepathy for as long as you remain attuned to it. So yes. And then it grants her different abilities depending on how high her, how high her intelligence score is, which actually increases the range of telepathy. I think she might have upped her intelligence at some point, too. From, uh, like, 11 to a 12. But yeah, that's... Mainly this thing is going to come into play during this whole section, where she will be able to... Um, and and the Gnome Sermorphs actually do speak common. I believe it says that's a, a weird quirk that they do. Or they speak Gnomish, I guess I should say. Um, to each other. Well, they do understand deep speech and undercommon, and they have telepathy, but they, I think it says they prefer to speak gnomish. Uh, let's see. Then the brain of a gnome retains its knowledge of, its gno of the gnomish language while becoming able to speak deep speech and undercommon. Oh, maybe I made that up. Does it not say? It actually prefers. I just think it's funny to be able to treat them as a little more um, comical. Comical, but still like with a dark humor. Like what they're doing is still pretty messed up. They're, you know, still the quintessential like kidnapping, uh, you know, aliens with the uh, racial superiority of mind flayers. But they're not very menacing about it either. They're not like conniving or, ooh, we're going to take over the world. They're like, nah, we're just, you know, they're just scientists and experimenting with, you know, what they consider to be like livestock almost with, with other Ascension creatures. Yeah, the, the HP bar at the bottom overlapping is a million times better for sure. I think we can actually... The map is kind of weird since each level is superimposed on each other. Okay. Thank you. You want to go out this way? Okay. Kind of awkwardly puts them right here, but I think that's going to be good enough. 
I guess I could always uh, enhance the loot a little bit since it's only fair with making the danger harder, make the rewards better. Hell yeah. Although, they have gotten a lot of loot lately. A lot of really good loot. Where's the bestiary now? I just lost, there it is down there, okay. I think I mentioned that before, between Yarrowmoot and the Dark Duchess, they are dripping in loot. And no loot is going to be better than having their own airship. If they can get it. If they can square it away. Alright, we're still doing that bug. We're going to have to open their sheet up first. Oh, I'm on the dynamic lighting layer. That's the problem. There we go. Oh, yeah, we do still have to open the sheet. That's such a weird bug. Doesn't give me their updated token until I open their sheet for the first time in a session. Loading. Means I wonder if I have to do that again because they're going to level up. So is this actually dynamic lighting right here? Oh, it is. Okay. You know, I need to I need to switch this to the uh, the 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 one way that you can see. I feel like five feet. You don't need dynamic lighting, honestly, right? If something's five feet tall. I mean, I realize people are do come in shorter heights, but if the lip of the ship is five feet, I don't know if that would really block line of sight to this extreme of a level. So maybe, can I delete this or is this part of the whole line? Uh, whole line there. Yes, you, row 20. Yes, you. What do we think about dynamic lighting? Should I keep this here? Or make it a little bit friendlier and, un and at least open this? Plus they're in snow, so isn't it kind of sunken down a little bit? Where's the... Where did I put it? Isn't it? There you are, down there in the corner. I'm going to use this handout too. So that's what the bottom level looks like, I guess, here. It looks higher than five feet here. Five feet's like person height. I guess if this is like a person right here. And then this is like the middle layer, and then the top layer is like hidden inside. That would be fun. That's a good idea, Stan. Refer to her as... Yeah, test subject. <laughs> I may keep that uh, as a nod to you for your suggestion, test subject 33. Or uh, 35. 35 is what you said. I like that a lot. And the other idea is, well, there's two more things I need to follow up on. One of them is, if you remember way back in Corkaloke, um, they found, uh, the, the goblins had found an intact uh, vessel that, that Celeste had crawled out of too, which is the, the place, the, the spheres where they put these creatures in as like containments, like cryogenic pods or something. And they found one, they opened it, they communicated very briefly with the Quagath inside who had the same kind of mind powers. And then ultimately, I think it was a suggestion spell that convinced the creature to go back in, and then they shut it and basically said, okay, we won't do with that. But then they took it with them. And then we've mentioned a few times 
over the course of the sessions and then again kind of forgot about it to an extent and this would be the time where uh, I as a DM at least would very much have to remind the players that this is still a thing in which case how does that creature react to all of this um, if they decide to try to take it along and the players have the ability to, to unlock it but the way I flavored it is this creature has been driven insane um, by its experimentation it still has the celeste's ability of the mind blast which is in itself a kind of weakened version of the Mind Flayer's Mind Blast. In fact, I think I stuck it onto the Quaggoth stat block. Quaggoths. We fought a lot of in Sunblight. Yeah, there it is. DC 12 Intelligence Saving Throw. 30 foot radius. Um, and, you know, otherwise it's, it's not that strong by itself, but the players do have the ability to unlock it. With this creature, you know, if if they have the foresight to opening this thing up with the creature, maybe it would be a fun way to reward them having taken this item is a weird way of putting it, but this um, thing <laughs> uh, from a, from way sessions ago that has relevance here, would that be rewarding for the players if they had the foresight to like roll this thing out to the ship and then open it up? Maybe this creature would help them because it would, it's driven insane, but it would recognize maybe the creatures that did this to you, uh, to, to it, and would, uh, and, and would become a temporary ally, at least. Um, and I would have no qualm about absolutely murdering the fuck out of it as a result, but that also helps the players in a very dark way because then they're at least not being targeted. I mean, it's, it's them putting a, a 45 hit point meat shield in front of, uh, you know, the enemy. So I think I should. If they, if they, I should let them think of it first. I don't want to push it too much. But if they make it, you know, all the way to where they're about to get to the ship and they haven't considered it yet, I may remind them of the fact that they are lugging around this uh, large humanoid-sized sphere containing a insane Quaggoth with mental powers that they have correctly presumed was the result of uh, kidnapping experimentation by Mind Flayer aliens. Don't know if they've made that leap yet. But that could be something uh, that's worth doing, in which case I should probably put this dude on the map just for funsies. Because uh, I think that would be a fun and rewarding thing for the players to uh, come up with. And maybe if they even keep this creature alive, then I don't know, something good can happen. It, but at the very least, I think it would be a fun temporary ally for them in this battle. Thank you, Xanox. Appreciate that. Good luck with your campaign. Glad you are enjoying it. Next, I would suggest running Rhyme. <laughs> then you can uh, follow all of this uh, different tactics and modifications I'm using. Which uh, has so far been a, a very enjoyable campaign, I will say. I, I've had to make... I think a lot more adjustments to it than I did in Tomb, which unfortunately means I'm doing less character-specific stuff than I did in Tomb, because this one is less... Um, it just requires more hands-on for me to rewrite the story and all the different elements. But also another issue is that I'm purposely... Um, and leveling up all the content. I'm scaling everything up so the players aren't... The biggest complaint I had about Tomb is that 
so much of the dungeon crawl and, and the jungle crawl is meant for tier one. And so you end up being in those level three, four, you know, levels for, for us, it was like, you know, 12, 15, some sessions, uh, and it just drug on way too long. And then by the end, you're only like, you know, 10 or 11. That just feels kind of lame. Uh, so are we okay with the dynamic lighting here? In which case, I could... Um, I, I mean, I'm going to start blasting. So anyway, I started blasting. Whenever the players get within a certain amount of distance, which, how close are we? Let's put them back at like the edge of the tentacles. See where dynamic lighting cuts off. Uh, let's begin right. All right, we need to a little bit better job of the dynamic lighting here because I don't want the actual edge edge of the map. So here, here, and uh, here, here, here. For some reason, they go all the way back, which I don't think they will. Okay. So we'll start them. Probably the, def the defenses are probably going to start around the time. Maybe they start making it to the actual tentacle part. So we'll, we'll start them back here a bit. I guess we, I guess we could put the wagon on the map too. This, I'm still. One more question. Do I destroy their wagon? with the boulets, because that's actually going to be the first thing that happens in this session. A lot of what I'm talking about, there's a good chance we're not even going to get to it uh, this Friday. But the the travel encounter along the way to the It Ascendant will be them discovering more of these spheres, which I don't know if I have a good uh, handout for that, what these objects look like. I actually thought about that, Nate. Um, that was probably one of my shower thoughts I had at one point, which was uh, the fact that they are... And and maybe the defenses are designed to do this. Maybe they do want to drag the you know somebody to them with the crystal, but um, they don't want to have that person you know bring an army or something. They want to just disable everybody except that one person. So maybe it is by design that the defenses go off. But yes, it would make sense that maybe they don't want to actually murder or damage the crystal. So that would be their concern. They, they, might, they might not give a shit about the actual um, person holding it, but the, the defenses are smart enough to know they don't want to destroy the crystal, the program that way. And, and that would come through by meaning that none of them would target Celeste whatsoever. They would just like completely ignore her. Um, although, I think just... The fairness of mechanics, she would probably still take damage from the whirling blades of the gearkeeper construct because that thing just does damage every time somebody starts their turn near it. Um, but it, it would, I could argue that it wouldn't necessarily directly target somebody. And in fact, it would even try to maybe blast its shrapnel thing in a way where it doesn't even uh, damage Celeste. It would just make it more painful for everybody else. But meanwhile, I can, fl I can play up the flavor where she's still getting this message. It's pulling her to the ship. And, and maybe the players think, okay, we just need to get Celeste inside to do something and then she could turn it off, which that would be really interesting for me because I could actually reward that by having it be more um, player agency that when she actually shows up inside the ship and then makes it maybe to a certain point, um, 
then uh or, or maybe i could even depending on how the players work it maybe i have her actually meet the ceramorph she says i've got the crystal you need to call off your defenses or something and then the ceramorphs be like oh yes of course just hand over the crystal and we'll call off the defenses you know maybe do it like that way that could be really interesting so it just depends on how um proactive the players are i think i've basically as the dm i've got backup plans in case the players are the least bit of proactive <laughs> and and just sitting there doing the fight like normal but just in case uh they do realize oh hey we could you know maybe try and stop this by having her run inside and do something with uh this psi crystal I'm trying to see if i can come up with a better sphere that looks alieny space balls not a sun Picturing like a white egg sphere. Not too magical looking. That looks pretty good. A sphere of vulnerability. I was picturing more white, but I guess I can always tint it. Probably be that sized, I think. Well, maybe not necessarily, actually. Probably be like that size. Rotary blade arms. Tint you white. Eh, kinda. That eh, probably works well enough. I'm gonna get a little fancier, but I think it might be a little too fancy. Although we're arguing that, so do we want to have the boulet? I guess the idea is that they fit boulets in some of these. I mean, actually, they do have to be kind of big. Well, maybe they're different sizes. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> Can't come up with my own rules. It feels weird that the player's been lugging around something this big in the wagon along with all the uh, all the rest of them. But I guess this is not technically their size. This is their, their like, range of influence. So I guess you can always have the thing they're put into uh, be a bit smaller. And then uh, some of them I need to show is, like, cracked and damaged. Maybe I can do a different one or put some kind of damage on it. Uh, I kind of actually like this plain white one better. Also a little bit smaller, which I appreciate. More or less accurate than the laser pistols. I haven't even really looked at their stat block much in terms of, is that their best, is that their best play is to use the laser pistols versus their mind blast? I mean, mind blast is still really good. 60 foot cone, DC 15 intelligence check, and it does 48 plus 4 psychic damage and stuns. You kind of have to use the mind blast. I, I did a recharge, so they can't do it every time, I guess. But I think opening move is always that. Spell resistance, they have really good saving throws. They don't have a lot of hit points, so if somebody actually gets up and goes ham on them, they can certainly beat them up. I guess it could be like a Pokeball situation. I don't think I explained it as such, though. I, I initially, I think I described it as like a humanoid-sized uh, vessel. Something like that. And the idea is I don't put them on this map until the Boulets actually attack, and I just haven't determined. My main thing is, do I attack them? Uh, you know, obviously I'm going to do ambush them with the Deadly Leap, and uh, one of the Deadly Leaps could just come right at their wagon and just destroy it, knock them all over, and just do a whole bunch of damage. Uh, 
uh, as these creatures. And maybe if I'm feeling merciful, I only have like two of them do the deadly leap. And then maybe round two, I add another one, you know, kind of split it up a little bit so they're not, the boulets aren't technically all coordinated with each other. Which means I should not use number three and use number two <laughs> instead. Guys are all at the front. And maybe keep number three on the GM layer for now. Why attack the wagon? I don't know, because I'm a dick. <laughs> I mean, two reasons. One, the boulets, I believe, all have tremor sense and. Unless the PCs are all getting out of the wagon, if I want to actually, oh, yeah, they do have tremor sense. Um, if the PCs, or if only like one or two of them jump out of the wagon to actually um, investigate these, you know, cracked open um, vessels, and the rest of them are just chilling in the wagon, then if I actually want to get a good amount of damage done with their initial deadly leap ambush, then I need to attack the wagon. And two, I think that would further motivate the players to. Um, wanting to have the nautiloid as their new mode of transportation. It would be a very interesting and fun way, unbeknownst to the players at the time, that I'm actually upgrading their vehicle, but I'm destroying their wagon first. <laughs> um, and that way they would be like, oh shit, we have nothing, let's go to the ship. And then they get to the ship and they probably don't even realize like this, you know, they think it's like a dungeon or something, but in fact it is actually a operational vessel if they have the uh the side crystal which the initial adventure hook to this whole place is nautiloid down emergency oh they do call it nautiloid so i could identify it with nautiloid nautiloid down emergency protocols enabled crew safe but vessel imperiled side crystal needed come at once so that clues them into the kind of things they'll be coming across but mainly the fact that this ship is uh you know could be repairable and thus we don't need our wagon anymore i am going to give them a note i wrote a note to myself of giving them an out for blista after her uh trials with the you know the dragon and then the frost giant and then nearly being killed by the frost giant she will ask the players basically like hey can i just stay behind and no longer go with you guys this is too much stress for me or crazy you know in a cuter way than that but basically give the players an out to um retiring from her adventuring days and then that would be the more satisfying method because if the players really insist that she comes on with them, and then in that same session, I then um, murder the hell out of her with these boule attacks, and then the players feel super guilty about it because, again, I'm a dick. <laughs> Stan says, if you are not going to give them the ship, do not destroy the wagon. It'll make you do slow travel again. Do not shoot yourself. I know, that's and that is the risk. The risk is that I would not 100% know if they're going to take the ship if I destroy the wagon first. I'm going to do everything I can to give it to them. My goal is to give it to them. The only problem is if they themselves, even after I destroy their wagon, if they say, um, you know, we're not doing this. We don't want any a part of this. this is all evil. It's all horrible. And, and we do the self-destruct uh, situation. I will say, however, for a third backup, second backup, third backup, that the next place they're going to is the... Goliaths, and once they complete the whole Goliath scenario, uh, I could reward them with Griffins from Sky Tower Shelter as a very final, like, okay, well, you really didn't want the alien ship, so I can give you Griffins to fly around in, and obviously that's going to be a little trickier, and you'll have to, you know, feed them and take care of them to an extent and all that, but the traveling should at least be um, a little bit more limited and, and faster now as we get more towards the end game. But that would be a final thing. So 
that's my other option I can give them, and thus they really don't need their wagon anymore. And it would be even easier to make that choice if they have uh, either allowed Blista to retire or I have murdered the shit out of her with my deadly ambush from the Boulets. We'll see. I may change, and you know, it really depends on my mood. We'll, we'll see how it works, but I'm very tempted to crush their wagon with these creatures and really say, welcome to level nine, assholes. All right, I think that will do it for uh, this Thursday edition of Crafting Icewind Dale. If you enjoy the content, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. Shouts to Platinum Patrons, Joe, Will, Thomas, Adam, Stan, William, I'm Loud, Kyle, Brandon, Genocider, David, Eclectic, Roleplay, Roll, Lindsay, and Christopher. And gold patrons, RPG, Papercrafts, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Marcus, Dead Lizard, Lounge, Sam, Lumpy Spuds, Jerome, Nathan, Fast Like a Tortoise, and Scott. Thank you all very much for your support. Uh, those of you that are Platinum patrons who have signed up for the D&D game, I will see you all tonight for that. Uh, and for the rest of you, I will see you tomorrow night for our regularly scheduled Rhyme of the Frost Maiden campaign.